This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. Back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm Melissa Moretti. And I'm back. You're back. I'm back. We, this is our, our we had uh, Adam and Matt's episode we launched two weeks ago, which they were kind enough to have me on. So we, we kind of right. put that on both sides. So we got the story out there. Then last yep. week, we had a great, great episode we previously recorded with Brian Pilby up there in Kamloops because mm-hmm. uh, I was in San Diego. Yeah. What were you doing in San Diego? What wasn't I doing in San Diego? Um, oh. I would highly encourage anyone who hasn't been to San Diego to go. It is amazing. But oh. I will say this. It's an amazing four-day city. Right. Don't necessarily know it's a seven-day city. Mm. What were the highlights? Um, what were the highlights? We saw the Padres game. Okay. Which was awesome. Which was, I, I guess in hindsight, this just goes to my lack of buying baseball ticket knowledge, is we end up getting like row five right behind the first base side. And I'm like, how did I get these tickets so close to game day? Yeah. Well, it was one o'clock start. And that section happened to be the section that had sun burning on it the whole game. <laughs> so everyone who was smart that's been to the game, we're all sitting in the right sections where they had shade on them. Uh, not us. We were literally in the like, right down there, just got torched. I was wondering why you were extra red today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just got torched. So we did that. And then uh, all the... Uh, the Sea Worlds and the uh, oh. San Diego Zoos and Legoland. Legoland, for all those who haven't been, okay, a 45-minute drive from downtown San Diego to Carlsbad. Definitely not worth the 45-minute drive. <laughs> um, so. I don't know if I'm convinced that I'm going to be going to San Diego anytime soon. None of that sounded like anything I would go to I will San Diego say, for. like, San Diego is kind of like Vancouver okay. feeling, but more like surfer meets... Vancouver. Okay. So it's, it's, it, it, it's, it feels very safe. Mm-hmm. I found an old spaghetti factory. <laughs> I did. Again, Again, nothing I'm going to say. I found Diego an for. old spaghetti factory about two blocks from the Padre Stadium. Travel tips not happening here yeah, today. Yeah. But for a quick three hour flight, okay. food was great. I went All to right. Cheesecake Factory. I think like three times when I was there. So you you're all rested. You're you're good to go. You're ready to go. I'm I'm back. I'm excited to be back on the podcast. I can hear it in your voice. On today's episode, we have the amazing Meg Cooney from our Vancouver office. We love Meg. Talking, she's great, talking all about the office market. And by that I mean, is the office market your best investment right now? I would like to know that. I would too. So I think we're going to talk all about that. We're going to dive into it because obviously there's a lot of negativity that's been in the news about the office market. Right. Coming out of the post-COVID era, all of that stuff. So we're going to dive into it today mm-hmm. to see, peel back the onion and find out, is this your best time to maybe buy office? Yeah, because my first instinct, not knowing too much about commercial office space, would yeah. be No. That's that could be the so problem right there. We're going to debunk that. We're going to debunk. Maybe we're going to potentially we're going to debunk that. We're, we're going to find out. out. We're going to find out today on the episode. All right. So 
Uh, without further ado, let's get to our episode with Meg Cooney of William Wright Commercial Vancouver. All right, let's go. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial, John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. All right, we're here today with Meg Cooney from our Vancouver William Wright office. And for those listeners who have heard Meg before, Matt would call her a, what does Matt refer to them as? Fan favorites? Past guest <laughs> past, fan favorite. Past guest fan favorite, yes. as Matt oh would say. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Meg, the emails that we get to have you back on could fill most people's inboxes in an hour. So. On the daily. On the daily. You guys so, are too kind. So, too kind. <laughs> See, so if, we, if we treat you nice, then you can always come back on, right? We always need future well, guests. I, you can, we, can, we can rely on you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an annual thing. I was looking back and it was uh, 2021, 2022, and look where we are, 2023. So I will be back in 2024, I guess. Finger, right? Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, Meg, the reason why we wanted to have you on today is there's a lot of negative negativity you read out there in the post-COVID office market. So, you know, if you're reading things mm-hmm. down south, it's kind of like, oh, but, you know, office buildings are getting foreclosed on. Up here, you're reading about higher and higher vacancy rates. But traditionally, when you're looking to buy something, you buy low, sell high. Yeah. And where I think a lot of people make the mistake in the investing commercial real estate game is they will buy when the that asset class is hot. Maybe industrial a couple of years ago, or maybe industrial last year, where it kind of seemed like almost feels like it peaked a little bit, where people mm-hmm. are buying at the top of the market. But right now, in the post-COVID era, higher vacancy than we traditionally have seen here for the past couple of years, all the negativity you're seeing in the media, mainly pertaining to the down south markets. The question we have to ask, Meg, is, is now a good time for office. So let's let's break that down. Let's start off with where is the office market today in the greater Vancouver area? So prior to the pandemic, looking at Q4 2019, the office vacancy rate for Metro Vancouver was hovering around 3% with the CBD closer to 2%. So, you know, this is what we consider an unhealthy vacancy where the sublease and the sub-sublease markets were incredibly active. Very rarely would you see an actual head lease available and, you know, gone within a day with multiple offers. So this sparked a surge of development applications to increase office supply. Obviously, developers were seeing this need, this demand. And so you get projects such as Bosa Waterfront, Profile, VC2, One Burrard Place, all pursuing applications to create more office product. Fast forward to 2023, um, obviously with the work from home movement, changes in the tech space, and new, newly introduced office stock, you know, vacancy rate in Vancouver is now around 12 to 13%. And although Vancouver hasn't experienced this level of vacancy in a long time, you know, we're not far from what's considered healthy. I think healthy is typically anywhere from 4 to 8%. And so, you know, although it is drastic for us in Vancouver because it was so tight for so long, you know, we're actually sitting in a pretty healthy absorption market. You, you look at Seattle currently, San Francisco, New York, 
they're hovering around, you know, 24%, 32%, 20% respectively. So, wow. you know, I think the crisis for us is just because we've been in, you know, a vacancy market, which has been so good for so long, and developers kind of reacted to that, creating more supply, which was needed back then, but not so much now, you know, that's really what's buzzing in the media. So I, I want to jump in here as well and, and provide a little bit uh, more to your story there. So Meg talked about a tremendous amount of office space that all sort of coming to fruition and has come to fruition in the past you know, year to two years and some more coming down the line. Anytime we look at these numbers too on the vacancy side of it, if you're getting a ton of new product introduced to the market at the same time and it's not fully absorbed, you can actually see a little bit of an uptick in some of these numbers, which I don't want to say is like a false indication of what it is, but this is product that didn't previously exist. So if I have two things, if I have two houses and another house finishes at the same time, but I haven't sold the two houses yet, you could argue to say that the listings have grown by 33%. But really, they've grown that 33% is just new product that's been introduced. So when Meg's talking about these vacancy rates, although they do feel higher for Vancouver, but overall are very close to balanced and healthy markets, we've just been very fortunate that hasn't sort of been the market we've operated in from a landlord perspective for the past little while, is there could be some underlining things in those numbers that might make them feel a little bit higher than maybe necessarily what they really are, just because new product hasn't been absorbed as fast as they may first thought. Absolutely. And I think the opposite is true as well. You know, I think developers are now looking at the vacancy in the downtown market or other markets such as like Broadway. And, you know, they're switching gears from building office space because they see the amount of supply. And so it's kind of cyclical in that sense where, you know, when there's a need, developers will build for that need. And as that kind of changes, they adjust accordingly. So, you know, I think we're heading into a market, as you said, Corey, where, you know, that product will eventually be absorbed. Totally. You know, demand is still there. You know, things are changing. But, you know, I think also the market is reacting as well. So maybe we won't be seeing that amount of supply in in future years to come. I think one thing too, like if you look at downtown Vancouver, it pretty much is an island almost. Yeah. Where there's not any more land. And the difference between downtown Vancouver, say maybe versus downtown Seattle, or even, you know, downtown San Francisco, where maybe you're walking through the downtown core and it feels very kind of like hollow feeling, is Mm -hmm. in Seattle, and again, I'm just making these numbers up, it's probably like 70% office space to 30% residential and hotels. Right. So if the offices aren't as occupied, naturally it's going to feel a little bit empty. In downtown Vancouver, we're probably 70% residential to 30% mm-hmm. office and hotels. So even if the offices aren't as busy as they once were, you still have all these residents, which makes the downtown core feel very, very lively. And we're very yeah. fortunate in our city that people live downtown. Has anyone heard of anyone living downtown Cincinnati? Like it's, there's not as many downtown cores that people live in as we think. Vancouver is, is an anomaly with how active and vibrant the downtown core is. And a lot of that is because we are surrounded by beautiful water and mountains that you've got all these scenic, scenic places to go and things to do, plus a great food scene and all that stuff, which makes the downtown lifestyle very, very vibrant. And that's where yeah. Vancouver office market, I think, regardless to where we sit today, will continue to backfill itself year over year over year because we just don't have the land to, to work with versus a Calgary where you can build for days that if they need mm-hmm. more, they can just build more versus downtown Vancouver you won't be able to do that. And although we are seeing a, you know, Meg, you might know this better than I do, a decrease in the vacancy rate, maybe in office space out in the Fraser Valley areas versus the downtown yep. core, downtown is still downtown. 
And companies are still going to want to occupy with the Vancouver address. They're still going to want to be in the downtown marketplace overall. So that yeah. being the center ice of the lower mainland's office market, I think regardless to where we're at today, that market will backfill itself. And two or three years down the road, the vacancy rates won't be nearly as high. I can't say for sure if the lease rates will be as high as they are today. But yeah. the vacancy rate, I think, is confident to say that will definitely come down and be a much more of a, a more aggressive office market like we previously had. Yeah, and I think you touched on two really key points there, and that's population. So, you know, the fact that we have such a nice blend of residential uh, density coming into downtown and then other parts as well, such as Fraser Valley, Tri-Cities, you know, that all supports the office market. It all support, supports the retail market as well. And so to have, you know, those kind of um, micro, you know, economies where everything is firing at once and the population supports the office, supports the retail, you know, it's it's a lot more positive than those metropolitan cities such as like Seattle, as you mentioned. There's less people living there to support, you know, those office buildings. And I think one thing too is when we talk about like the vibrancy of like the downtown Vancouver, if you walk downtown Edmonton, mm -hmm. you don't see nearly as much retail at grade. And you don't see nearly as much vibrancy yeah. at the retail level at grade. And one one of the bigger drivers of that is you ever walked around downtown Edmonton in February? You, you can't. It's freezing. <laughs> you will freeze right? to death. Yeah. So that's one thing too that we benefit out here is yeah. our climate is not the same as you would find in Alberta or even Ontario for that matter. When you go to Ontario, they've got tunnels that connect buildings because mm -hmm. it's so cold versus Vancouver. We don't have that, which forces people to walk on the street, creates retail vibrancy. All those unique things I think will play into that, that makes our downtown office market uh, much more unique than most of them in the country. Absolutely. And I think also just touching on the suburban markets as well, you know, it's not always the traditional kind of tech groups that are going out there. I think, you know, the response to the work from home is, you know, having satellite offices that are closer to where people actually live too. So, you know, uh, with the population growth in the Fraser Valley, for example, a lot of these kind of HQ Vancouver offices are uh, expanding into the valley. And so, you know, their vacancy might be a little bit different in terms of absorption. There's also, you know, different players in the space. Um, medical groups have, you know, been recession-proof, I would say, and they need space in, in communities where there's growth in population, right? So it's, you know, it's not just the, the tech boom and bust. It's, you know, the day-to-day -day needs and essentials um, across the lower mainland that are filling these office spaces. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I think you know, BC as a whole, as we have more immigration come into the country and all that stuff, people are you know, ending up here in BC. And eventually these people are all going to need somewhere to work at some point in time. And, and again, yeah. even when you look at the cost now of land acquisition costs, numbers are harder and harder to probably pencil on the office side if the lease rates pull off versus yeah. that, that land being sold for stratified condos. So that will also impact... The, the growth of that asset class, which may not grow at the same pace that ones did in the past recent years, that developers mm -hmm. may not be able to pencil them the same, which then that naturally, obviously with high interest rates and construction costs, will all, all influence the ability for that office building to be built or not built. Yeah, no, it's such a great point. Like you look at replacement costs of these buildings and construction costs, that has been you know, a concern since the beginning of COVID and they've continued to rise. So beyond just the interest rate impact, uh, construction costs are, you know, really impacting the land market. Does it make sense to rebuild something that's a four story just to add an additional, you know, two stories on that building? No, probably not. So, you know, it's, it's definitely kind of creating a pause in development for new product. 
Well, I can even I can even tell you too as well. I remember there was a building that we had a client that they acquired that I think they paid around like four or four and a half million for, and the replacement cost value yeah. on the building was like over ten million dollars. Wow. Because the the construction costs were so expensive. But you would mm-hmm. never buy that property for ten million dollars because that would never make sense. Yeah. So you so the chance of someone buying the land and then building that same structure. Is doesn't make any sense. No one's gonna look at that and say, "Hey, let's buy the land and build it for ten million dollars when it's probably worth five when we're done with it." That's not gonna right. happen. So that's gonna make less product available. Now it's a Vancouver Island market. That's gonna make less product available. But that's just a great example of when when you're looking at the cost replacement cost values from these assets with today's construction world. Yeah, you can't buy and build them for the same price you can buy them that are already existing. Absolutely. So that's gonna naturally stop new supply coming on the market with time because the cost to buy and build it won't make sense. Yeah, and just investing in that existing asset and, you know, paying that CAFX and um, improving it um, just to increase its longevity. Yep. No, I 100% agree with you. So with all that said, do you think it's a good time to be investing in the office market right now? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. When seeking investment opportunities for a client, we like to strike in sectors that are not operating at full potential and at a price that provides room for upside. I know that the lending environment has been a major point of discussion across all media, I mean, even including this podcast. And the question really becomes this, I have capital to deploy that is eroding due to inflation, but is it better to pause on buying activity right now or is now the time to be bullish? And I believe now is a great time, especially if you're a well-capitalized investor, to take advantage of sharp pricing we're seeing, the rising cap rates, interest rates increasing, And, you know, because as interest rates start to fall, that's when you see cap rate compression. And, you know, effectively, you're increasing your value in your investment with this compression that will, you know, happen over time. The market is cyclical. Um, You know, we've seen it at that 2 to 3% vacancy rate. You know, when interest rates were really strong, we're seeing cap rates in that 3 to 4% range in the lower mainland. So, you know, logically, if, if interest rates come down, you know, there's a lot more room to play if you're buying at a higher cap rate right now. So, Meg, I'm, I'm going to jump in here real quick and, and just throw some uh, investment uh, philosophies out there. Yeah. So when you're buying an asset, if mm-hmm. I can buy in a marketplace traditionally, now, again, we do have higher cap rates right now because of interest rates. But if I could buy into a market traditionally that was growing that market might experience what they call cap compression. So what cap yeah. compression is, so if I buy a, a building, let's say, for example, at a 5% cap rate on the exact same income a year later, but mm-hmm. the but now they're selling at a 4% cap rate, the value of that property is increased by 20% purely based yeah. on what we call cap compression. So yeah. if I have $100,000 in income and it sells on a five cap rate today, I have $100,000 in income and it sells on a four cap rate next year, my income hasn't changed. My building has gained 20% by cap compression. So traditionally, you'd find that when you buy like Victoria, where as mm-hmm. markets grow and expand, more demand comes in, cap compression kicks in, more people want to buy, prices get higher. Right now, you can experience cap compression, potentially buying things just anywhere because of high interest rates, which is a false indication of the true value of that asset. And I think if you can get into a position where you might have cap compression kick in, my Mm -hmm. lease rates might go up. Now I'm making money on two sides of things. My my income's going up, the cap compression's kicking in. And the third factor is the tenant pays my mortgage off, which is the traditional real estate investing model. If I can get that three-prong approach to investing, 
that is something people will buy all day long, which for the longest time, we haven't been able to experience that in the lower mainland really because the yeah. cap rates have been so low. But because interest rates have obviously pushed cap rates higher, there might be that false indicator that you might be able to buy something at a five or maybe a six cap rate. Six might be a little high. Maybe a five cap rate that mm-hmm. was selling at maybe a three cap rate down the road. Not necessarily say you'll ever get back to three because in COVID money was so cheap. That also had indications on why cap rates got so low. But yeah. it, you could make a pretty good guess that it's going to go from a five to a four. That's 20% gain in my property value just through cap compression. Absolutely. And yeah, so I think with groups that are well capitalist right now, it's yes, you're probably putting a higher percentage down um, just to secure the financing you need just with the debt service ratio. But as those rates start to come down and you see an opportunity at lower cap rates, you know, that's the time to you know, refinance and, and take that capital out that you once put in. And then it starts servicing itself a lot better. 100%. So, yeah. So I'd say those who, you know, there was a lot of groups that were very bullish when the interest rates were low for obvious reasons. Um, but when we were in multiple offers, maybe they didn't pick up um, the investment properties that they'd like and they hadn't added to their portfolio. And so I, I do believe there's still a lot of capital in the market that's kind of sitting and paused. And, you know, what's what's going to happen as soon as the interest rates in, start to reduce is that all those same players plus some will start entering the market and it'll drive the price up again. 100%. So I think now is definitely the time to, you know, take a little bit of a risk, you know, structure financing in a way where, you know, it's flexible and you can kind of change gears as things start to improve, but you've secured a price at this market, right? So, yeah, I think that's that's key. And, you know, if you do have the capital, I would say it's a great time to be bullish right now. So in saying that, so if I'm an investor and I'm looking at the office market, let's go back, say, pre-COVID. If I was going to buy an office building, let's say in the, the greater Vancouver area, mm-hmm. what traditional cap rate would I maybe find on that on that asset class? Like right now? Uh, let's go back a few years, say pre-COVID versus what we see today. Yeah, I mean, I would say pre-COVID, depending on you know a number of things, if there was... Um, you know, land use changes. But, you know, traditionally for investment properties, you're probably looking at 3 to 4%. So let's say 3 4 to 4%. Now, we can probably make a good guess that maybe three, four, five years ago, the rents were less than where they are today. Yes. So if I fast forward to today and my rents maybe are slightly higher, which will impact the price, than where they were three, four, five years ago, what type of cap rate could I get today? And this cap rate is mainly driven by interest rates. The asset hasn't depreciated itself. They're like, wow, it's half price. Cap interest rates are pushing prices down because the cost of debt and loan to values. But where would I find a cap rate maybe in that same comparison area today? Yeah, you're probably in the high fours to low 5% cap rate range. So high fours to low fives. Yeah, I would say in general. So if we take that number, we're saying potentially, and again, we're just using these are all hypothetical figures. Mm-hmm. I might get the same asset that I once paid for, you know, let's say three, four, five years ago at a yeah. 20 or 25% discount purely because the cap rate has risen because of interest rates. That if I buy that thing at a 20 or 25% discount and the cap rates compress back to four, that's mm-hmm. my equity gain in the asset. Absolutely. Yeah. So now the question becomes that all makes logical sense. Does the office market? continue down the road three to four years from now where the vacancy rate gets better, all that stuff, that we will see a desire for office space making office market that much more attractive today for those who are going to play the speculation game. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the work from home aspect, that is starting to recover. The supply issues that we noted, I think there was a big boom of supply that entered the market. You know, as that starts to absorb, we start to reduce the vacancy rates. And, you know, the tenants that are out there are not as spoiled for choice. And I think that's the key is that, you know, when they have, you know, 10 options to choose from, there's less urgency, you know, they're, they have the time to, um, you know, sort out their options. And they know that there's no rush. But as that starts to reduce and there's no new supply coming to the market, you know, that has a bit of a snowballing effect where there's only two options that work for them and they would be heartbroken if they didn't get one of them. So, you know, it starts to move the market a lot quicker. But yeah, I think I think there is definitely an opportunity in the office market because it is at a low. And prior to COVID, it was so strong. It's, um, you know, hopeful that it'll return to those rates again. Well, I think if we look at it too, and it's some great examples out there, like if you look in, you know, we talked about downtown Vancouver is, is just that it's like an island almost North Vancouver. Again, that's yeah. got the same mountainous and, and water challenges. Uh, we talked about the, the development costs of office space might make it tough even to build office in the future type of thing. Mm-hmm. And also one thing too, I think we, we didn't talk about is so many of the opportunities that may exist out there are not stratified opportunities, meaning they can't be sold as individual offices. And a lot of the offices that are built are maybe built on a lot larger scale that they price yeah. a lot of people out where people don't have 40, 50, or $100 million to buy them. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that that brings up a good point. Our, our team just listed a 26,000 square foot, four-story office building at 2030 Marine Drive in North Vancouver. So beautifully renovated in 2019, sitting on about 14,000 square feet of land. And it's like three minutes from Lionsgate Bridge. Okay. So now the owners have put a lot of work into this building and they're actually sitting at a 95% occupancy. So, you know, that's a pretty strong sentiment in this market where, you know, we're seeing uh, higher than normal vacancy rates. And the building itself generates over a million in gross revenue. Current NOI is 830K. And so, yeah, Corey, thinking back to 2021, I think it's safe to assume like a cap rate in the range of... 3.75 to 4% yeah, for this building. Yeah, that, yeah. That, I think it'd be very, very fair for the North Shore there. Yeah, which is approximately 20 million. So, you know, and that would even attract a lot of investors back in that that time. So we are marketing this property for 14 million, 6 million less than what it'd be worth um, in 2021, which is a 6% cap rate. Okay, wait, wait, stop, 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 stop. Let me, let me, let me compress this for a second here. So... So this is this is the exact examples that we're talking about. So yes. so you so you said so your team listed a building at a 6 cap rate like 6. 6% cap rate in North Vancouver. And that market and it, was probably yeah. closer to a 4. Yeah. So then we're Definitely. we're simple math says that that hypothetically or potentially is a 33% discount of what that market once was at one point. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, turnkey building. There's, it's beautifully renovated. Is and it, like, this is is it a, what's the occupant? No, here, okay, I'm a devil's advocate. What's the <laughs> occupancy rate then? 95%. 95% occupancy rate. And they have a wait list, you know, for certain units, uh, the ones that have windows, they have a wait list um, for those units. And so, you know, they've been consistently in that 90% to 95% occupancy, you know, due to a lot of effort, but you know, there still is demand. It kind of shows you there still is demand, especially in these suburban markets yeah. where you're getting medical groups and, you know, 
two-person law firms and, you know, very local businesses that aren't affected by like the tech boom and everything. And so, you know, they've been able to maintain this. And yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't see an opportunity like this um, for 14 million two years ago, maybe even a year ago. No, I totally and, agree with and, you on that. Yeah. So it's a prime example of where there's ample room for cap rate compression once the lending market becomes more favorable. And then you experience significant gain in property value. So I think one thing too is if you look at the North Shore and maybe mm-hmm. I, maybe you look at Surrey like 10 years ago, one of the complaints with Surrey was the bridges. And now yep. Surrey's done a, a phenomenal job of creating a place where you can live and work and yep. pretty much do everything in Surrey. They've taken the bridges right out of play. And I think if you look at North Vancouver and West Vancouver, obviously the bridges were always a concern. And as yes. more people move over there, the bridges will become more problematic, just trying to get people to and from. That if yeah. they can continue down the road of having these great infrastructures, if they can implement that in North Vancouver and create it as a spot where you can like live and work and all that stuff, not have to sort of come over those bridges, that will take away a lot of concerns on North Vancouver. And when you look at you know, the post-COVID market where the office market obviously has been impacted by it, but maybe yeah. there's a hybrid model or whatever it is. If you can live in North Vancouver, which has a tremendous population growth and development growth right now, and yeah. you can work in North Vancouver as well an office building or offices buildings, this one or any of them over there, might become mm-hmm. more, even more desirable in the future as more population goes over there and people want to take the bridges out. Exactly. And yeah, like as we mentioned before, like the Fraser Valley, we're seeing more satellite offices to kind of curb that objection. You know, bringing people back to the workplace is really challenging in downtown Vancouver, I think. You know, people got accustomed to not having commuting times. And so, you know, that's where we're really seeing strength in these, you know, outside markets, um, suburban markets such as North Vancouver, because, you know, if their employees live in North Vancouver and they set up an office there, you know, they're more likely to come in. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. So that's a great example. We're talking about opportunity in the office market. And I think one thing, too, when investors look at the office market, unless you're getting into the, the large scale buildings, a lot of the stratified offices that are out there is for the developers to kind of get top dollar for those strata lots is traditionally they're sort of pitched more towards owner occupiers. Mm-hmm. And when you look at, let's just take the the Langley market as an example. If you go back, I don't know, six, seven years, eight years, maybe give or take, you could yeah. find shell office space out there for probably like 300 bucks a foot. Mm-hmm. And now you can find shell office space out there for like 950 to a thousand a foot. And yeah. when you're an investor, and you're looking at that 950 to 1000 a foot for an office space it's going to be very hard to make the investment numbers work because by the time i buy the unit tenant the mm-hmm. unit have to pay my landlord inducement costs and commissions and all that stuff i might be getting like a 3 cap rate or something like that and if my cap rate gets so low my down payment has to be so high to create cash flow my leverage position is gone so the office market for the strata market now at today's pricing is these things are pitched at owner-occupiers more so than investors. Yeah, What you just talked about there is it seems like a very rare opportunity from an investment standpoint that you can get a extremely... I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a six cap rate in North Vancouver before. I mean, Fort St. John maybe a while ago. Yeah, it's um, shocking. You're getting an extremely high cap rate in, yeah. a, in a marketplace with a building that's just over 20,000 square feet that the investment numbers make sense. That's hard to find in a lot of cases when you're looking at office right now or for the past few years because the strata ones have been sold at such a high price per foot, mainly to owner-occupiers who are going to occupy themselves and not really looking at the investment market. 
that you can't, or you got to buy the hundred million dollar building downtown, which none of us have. I don't know. Adam probably has it because he has a house (laughs) in Kelowna. Um, um, But, but most people don't have a hundred million dollars to buy these buildings. Yeah. That, that you can't really find the investment opportunities as much as, as much as we probably like to. And this, that seems like a very rare, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the 6% North Vancouver. Uh, It seems (laughs) very, very rare. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that kind of touches on another point that I didn't bring up is that this building is also stratified. So it's one single owner, but there's 16 strata lots. So, you know, it really opens up a lot of opportunities for investors, occupiers, um, you know, kind of a quick cash return. So, you know, if you were to purchase this building for, let's say, 14 million, there are still 16 strata lots that you could sell up individually. And so with any kind of large scale project, the price per square foot is going to be lower if you're buying on scale. However, when you have 16 units that are roughly around, let's say, a thousand square feet, the premium on the price per square foot is going to be a lot higher. So this building is priced at approximately 550 per square foot. But if you look at the strata office market in North Vancouver, their average right now, so last couple of months, is around 915 per square foot. So if you're not interested in investing and, and having this as a long-term investment and enjoying that wonderful 6% cap rate, um, you know, there is an exit strategy too, where you could sell off the units individually for a premium because it, it's already structured that way. There's not a lot of legwork to do. It's just, you know, converting them back. It's already stratified setting up the CRF and, uh, you know, making that kind of instant profit on the property. So it's it's a really interesting one. So this, this just plays more factors into what we're saying is maybe there is, maybe this is the time to buy the office market because it's not as coveted as it was a few years ago that yes. these opportunities exist now that maybe they're at these prices now. I can I'll also, I know we have a, a great listing and I can't give the address away just yet uh, coming up in Kamloops. But it is a mm-hmm. tremendous, tremendous, I'd say small scale office building. Cool. Bank anchored, like down, wow. like it, it ticks all the boxes. Yeah, something you never see. Yeah, and, and it's gonna be, yeah. it's gonna have a five cap attached to it. And when and when we can finally bring it out with the underground parking and announce who the tenants are, like like this is yeah. something that would probably sell closer to like a four cap rate a couple of years ago, even in a market like Kamloops, because there's such limited product in this particular mm-hmm. asset class, in this particular area of downtown, but you got AAA tenants. So, I mean, it's going to be listed at a five cap on current income. There's probably upside on that income as well. So there's another yeah. argument that potentially this building is maybe being sold at 20% cheaper now than what it what it potentially would have went for a couple of years ago. Just mm-hmm. all things considered with the interest rates and the tenant pool mix in this building and yeah. location. But that's another great opportunity that that even... even Seeing that, I was I was really surprised to see the cap rate at a five. Uh, yeah. All things considered, I understand it's Kamloops; it's not going to be like a three cap rate. But just all things considered, I was surprised. But that's that's just a prime example of the market that we're in today. That that's mm-hmm. that's a building that could experience cap compression in the future, just on current income, and you've got solid tenancies. And that I would be very shocked if that building doesn't get a lot of interest really quickly once we can bring it out. Absolutely, no. That's and it's it's exciting time to be in this industry too. I mean. Um, the past couple of years, it's, you know, you're working with buyers and there's just limited opportunities and the ones that come up that are, you know, somewhat exciting. There's, you know, 10 other groups that are looking at it and yeah. you're bidding the price. And, you know, if it comes to market at a four cap, it might even compress down to like a 3.5, just given the interest. And so, you know, for those who are well capitalized, it's a really exciting time to be in the market, you know, with less competition, 
your power is the equity you have and kind of the the foresight that you're going to see cap compression or maybe you find a property that's there's a repositioning play and you have the luxury of doing that as well. So, you know, I think it's, you know, the media obviously is, is focused on interest rates and, and doom and gloom, but I think there's so much pent up demand um, that is now able to be serviced. Um, and it's a healthy thing for us to go through this in this market. So the takeaways from today is the investment office market might be a lot more lucrative than we, than we think it is if you can get a good deal, all things considered, even interest rates, yep. on something today, well-positioned location, 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 yes. that could experience cap compression on the same income. You might be able to get a fairly good lift, 20 25%, again, just hypothetical numbers, on yep. that building with the same income, which will give you the opportunity to, to refinance capital out of it at a later date and still be mm-hmm. well-positioned in, in an asset class that will probably see a decline in vacancy in the coming years versus a continued incline increase that we've seen coming out of the post-COVID era. Is that what I'm reading? You, you nailed it. Yeah. Don't See, say I, it better I, myself. You're listening. I just <laughs> I just checked my pocketbook for $14 million. I can definitely tell you I'm about $13,999,000 short. So I'm I'm out. Not going to sell for less than fourteen. I'll tell you that All right. much for I, I'm out. Well, I, again, so Meg, before we let you go, we appreciate taking your time because we know you're very, very busy. We have our six-pack of lighthearted questions we ask all of our guests Do you have just a few more minutes for us? I do. The six-pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team. These are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. All right. Your favorite bar or restaurant? Favorite bar or restaurant? Ooh, okay. Favorite, I'm not going to say bar, I'll say restaurant. Okay. Um, probably Laboratoire in Gastown. Oh. Yeah, it's just kind of moody. I had a really good steak there a couple of months ago, and I, I can't Ooh, stop thinking good. about it. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> so. that really good steak is going to lead us into our next question. So unfortunately, you've done something horribly bad, and you found yourself on death row. You are okay. allowed one meal before it's all said and done. What Ooh. meal are you having? Well, I'm not going to say steak, because that's just too obvious. Um, I would say some lobster or like crab. Oh, um, yeah. I just, I, especially in the summertime, it's just so good. Um, lots of butter. Yeah. Mm. Just simple, simple lobster or crab. Any, any particular waterfront restaurant you're going to drag Chris to, to have that meal? <laughs> oh my God. I guess Provence. Oh, downtown Yaletown. Provence? Yeah, yeah. Downtown Yaletown. It's like kind of waterfront, right? Yeah. It's great seafood right on the seawall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I have to take him. Yeah. <laughs> no, he has to take you now. I, mean, I, yeah. I just threw his name out there because now he's stuck. Because I'm on death row. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's the last time he's going to see us, so you might as well make it a good meal. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. Next question. Favorite band or musician? Ooh, okay. I change it up every single time. I'm really on the Fleetwood Mac train again. Oh. Yes. Something about oh. summer, Stevie Nicks. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just been like playing it on my way to work, um, you know, as well as the podcast, of course. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Speaking of speaking of great Melissa, I'd like to know who your favorite band is because I was I was on the phone earlier before I got here uh, mm-hmm. on the phone outside, and this this car comes down the road and it's 
full-blown techno. I thought I was in a nightclub. I was reaching in my pocket to try to pay somebody cover. And Melissa <laughs> pulls up and gets out of her car. <laughs> I have a very diverse music selection. Yeah. Techno, yeah. you know, EDM is, is one of my favorites. It's, it's also we 9.30 would, in the morning. Though. It was 9.30 okay. in the morning. Okay. I think I was scaring everyone. I was driving past on the street. I had an Uber driver wave at me. You know, he was he was excited about the party that was happening. But I also love Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. I have their oh. vinyl record and I'm... Everyone loves Fleetwood Mac and Nickelback, yeah. right? So, all right. Uh, <laughs> next, <Slide that in. laughs> next, next one up. Meg, a book recommendation for our listeners. It doesn't have to necessarily be real estate related. Um, so you actually recommended this one to me, How to Win Friends and Influence People. So I, I've just started reading that. I've owned it for a while. I just never got around to reading it. And then you kind of poked me and were like, okay, you got to read that book. And so I'm, I'm just starting that. It's a classic. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, okay. Next question. Your drunk karaoke song. You yeah, found yourself so, at a bar. We give you a microphone. So, What's you guys Meg know singing? me so well. So, so Chris <laughs> took you to your favorite restaurant in Gastown. You're having your lobster there, but the wine has been flowing nonstop. Your favorite restaurant turns into a, a midnight karaoke bar and someone shoves a microphone in your face. Okay. Well, yeah, I love karaoke and I love drinking. <laughs> so probably <laughs> lean on me, uh, Bill Withers. It's, oh. a, it's a, yeah, it's a crowd favorite. I was going to say, in. that gets the you crowd like, going. That's, right? that's a good, yeah. You have your other just swaying. Yep. It's, um, yeah, really wholesome and nice. So. I love it. That's probably a great, I, I pictured you more of like a photograph by Nickelback yeah, karaoke. Oh, but yeah. uh, I guess we'll take that as a close second. I, I take requests. So yeah, whatever you want, I will sing it. <laughs> All right, there we go. Okay, Meg, last question up. Something you've purchased for $1,500 or less that's had a positive impact on your life. Oh, my paddleboard. Oh, that was a yeah. quick answer. Yeah, no, it's like 1500 I was like, oh, it's about that. Yeah, so I live uh, in Port Moody. I'm pretty close to Rocky Point, just like by the inlet. And it's a inflatable paddleboard. And it's so nice, like very calm in the inlet and just kind of buzz around, you know. Uh, maybe crack a beer or two, but yeah, it's it's really nice. And then I, you know, go along the, the little coast there and see all the beautiful homes that I wish to have one day. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been really, yeah, really, really nice for me to have that. Awesome, Meg. Yeah. So, so how can all of our listeners find out more about what you're doing, your listings, the 6% cap rate thing that just seems <laughs> out of control? How can people get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can reach me on my cell, 778-960-5979 or at my email, which is meg at williamwright.ca. Well, Meg, thank you once again for taking the time today to talk all about the office market and the opportunities that exist. And uh, we appreciate it. Of Thanks, course. Meg. Okay, thank you guys. Thanks, Meg. Take care. Okay, Bye-bye. Bye. There you have it, folks. Our interview today with Meg Cooney of William Wright Commercial Vancouver. Really great to talk with Meg. Surprisingly, did we change your thoughts on the overall office market? You know what? You and the opportunities that exist. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. See, if you watch the news, it sounds like nobody works from the office anymore. Yeah. You read in the States about these places that are getting foreclosed on and all of that stuff that you would think the office market is just like the absolute worst investment in the world. Which makes it an opportunity. Maybe your best opportunity, right? Because yeah. where people where people get excited about buying certain things is when that asset class is really hot. Yeah. Low vacancy, high rates, but they're going to sell at premium prices versus yeah. right now, the occupancy rate may not be as high as it once was, which it was very unhealthy. 
for tenants. Now might be the opportunity to buy in, get some cap compression, market picks up, everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's a lot of product that's coming to the market, new product that's not hasn't been absorbed quite as fast that may have some impact on those numbers out there that they may not be as bad as you think they are. Yeah. Okay. And even still, they're not very bad at all. I like that thinking. All right. So for all those who want to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate, they can reach us at our Vancouver office at 604-428-5255. They can send me an email anytime, Corey at williamwright.ca. Always happy to talk real estate. Or they can visit our website, williamwright.ca. Sign up for the latest and greatest news in the commercial real estate world. And for all those who want to sell their condos, houses, and agricultural land at record high prices. Melissa, how would they get a hold of you? <laughs> you can call me at 778-869-4477 or email me at melissa at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And we have another great episode next week. Take care. All right. Take care. Subscribe today. <laughs> <laughs>